Hi, I'm Amy Donaldson. And I'm Jason Lee. Listen to our free podcast, Voices of Reason, unless you enjoy screaming matches. Nope, you're not going to hear that with us. You'll hear folks who may disagree, but seek to understand different views. That's Voices of Reason on the KSL Radio app or wherever you find interesting podcasts. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership. I'm Jess Larson. Today is part two of our interview with Anthony Lenzo. Well, when it comes to broadcast, you have to be ready at the time that airs. There are no exceptions for the delay. So it's a matter of cracking the whip. Now, finding team members that understand that is very difficult because you can get quoted to build a website and somebody's going to quote you for I'll have that done in two months, and two months comes and goes, and it's still not done. This is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series, where we interview pro athletes, world-class musicians, CEOs, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. Also, I want to talk to you about one of our show's sponsors. I met these guys back on episode six. CEO Zach Smith was telling me all about starting a skateboard company and how much he hated doing the bookkeeping uh, for a skateboard shop and how he really... Uh, got led to start this business, Bookly, that's a hybrid combining bookkeeping software and human services. And I'll tell you why I let them become a sponsor. It's because I use their service now. I don't love paying 50 bucks an hour for bookkeepers to do stuff that I know software could do way, way cheaper. But uh, I don't love bookkeeping at all. So I want a real live human who knows what they're talking about to help me with the stuff I don't understand. Uh, probably the straw that broke the camel's back for me, though, the thing that put me over the top was that they could do my taxes and payroll also. Um, so totally suggest checking them out. Go to their website, bookly.co, and check out their flat rates. I've been super happy with them. So now on to today's episode. Anthony's a five-time Emmy Award winner. He, uh, go back to part one of the episode and catch um, Val's Tech, the, the business he's a partner in that's that's created a housing for taking your iPhone 6, 7, and 8 underwater, and you can actually feel confident <laughs> it's not going to get wet. It's, um, he's got a production company in New York. I uh, really need to go back to, to part one and listen to all that stuff if you didn't catch it already. But Anthony, um, you know, with this show being innovation and leadership, uh, I want to talk about leadership for just one minute. Of It's not just helping other people, but in my experience, the best leaders were good followers, and they knew when to take advice. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, one of your mentors that y- you told me you got some advice that maybe it might some people might have thought about it as hard advice, but you feel like it really benefited your career? Sure. I, I got into this business or in, in the broadcast business at 17 years old. It's what I wanted to do. So like right out of high school, I got into this business. There are quite a few men uh, in this business, engineers and camera guys that I would work under and just they would teach me how to wire things. What was the reason for it? Show me once and do it. It was a great sink or swim situation. Here's a bunch of gear. Now head on over to that network and set it up. Um, so I've learned from quite a few engineers, but one of them that rings in my mind every single day is a gentleman by the name of Ken Wise. Um, ironic to have a last name like that, but he said something to me. He would always tease me at 17 years old with my dialect at the time. I was born and raised in Queens, New York. So it, as you can imagine, 
the stereotypical either Brooklyn or Queens accent is something that I had at a younger age. So he had said to me, he goes, you know, Tony, if you ever want to be taken seriously in this business, lose the accent. And I looked at him and again, being a street kid from Queens, you almost, you, you would get offended by something like that. But I looked at him and I, I knew he was right. So from that day on, I would listen to myself as I was talking and really trying to just make a conscious effort to, to change my structure, my change my sentence, or to take not the 10 seconds as we spoke in part one, but just take a few, sen a few seconds to see how should I answer to this. And it just with every single day with, with practice or just acknowledgement of it, just being conscious about it, I was changing the way I was talking and speaking to a point now, I think now that the holidays are coming around and I'll get together with some old friends from the neighborhood or from school and I'll see them. And if I hear them talking with that heavy Queens accent, my God, it's like nails down a chalkboard. Um, and I'm thinking, I sounded like that, or I can sound like that. Granted, enough drinks, and I can bring that out right away. But um, I always made that conscious effort. And I'm thinking now in, in the professional world, if I was to have that accent, I, I wonder if I would have gotten as far. Would people have basically judged me by the way I spoke and not have taken me so seriously? Because if you, if you look at it, I mean, if you listen to it, it's not the way we're used to. I've never heard of a businessman speaking like that or just with a tone like, well, there's a few people I can think of now that speak <laughs> with different tones, and then, but not, uh, I don't think people would have taken me as serious if I continue with that accent. So something that may have been offensive at 17, which I didn't find it, it was probably the biggest lesson in my life. Every single day I think of that. You know, it's, it's interesting, um, those things that take, time and effort and work and how many other folks don't pay that price for that conscious, you know, meaningful repetitions to rewire our brains. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and yet, you know, how it pays dividends for so many decades afterwards being willing yes. to pay the price to, to acquire an uncommon skill set up front. Right. Yes. Um, well, I want to talk about that in innovation. Can you, can you tell us a bit about some of the things you invented before GoPros ever Existed? Sure. Well, back in, I think it was 1995, ESPN uh, started the X Games. And uh, I had made a contact over at ESPN, and they had asked, they said, they told me one of the sports was going to be a barefoot water skiing. And they asked if I had a POV, which is a point of view camera, a small little camera that can fit on their jump ramp um, and get the shot of the approach of the water skier approaching the ramp. So I lied and I said I had an underwater housing, but I didn't. But I had designed one probably a, few, a year or two for this company, Endless Pools. If you've ever seen their advertising of these, these, these swim-at-home kits, um, I had gotten a contact from a rep at that company if I could build an, or design an underwater camera. And I was young at the time. I was like, wow, this is great. And I just drew up a quick design and I faxed it to them and I never heard back from them. <laughs> so... However, I, I kept that design, and when ESPN asked if I could build a system, I, I quickly built it uh, out of a flashlight housing, and it worked. And then they were like, well, we want to add another one for the next year. We want to show the approach, and we want to show the passing. And is there anything else cool that you can think of? So back in the day, this is – a lot's changed in the broadcast world, but they were throwing some money at me for R&D. And I played with 
putting a camera on a water ski rope and seeing what that angle would look like. And they loved it. And they threw me some R&D money to say, develop this. So form so, factor, you know, for the rest of us trying to imagine what this looked like, how, mm -hmm. how big are we talking about? How did it attach? How did that work? The camera at that time was probably the size of uh, an adult um, index finger. Okay. The camera itself, maybe a little smaller, maybe an adult pinky. Uh, and it had, uh, it had about 14 conductors and a cable. There were two variations. The thicker one was the one I used on that jump ramp. The smaller version which was probably the size of a child's index finger or even smaller, uh, was the one I built in what we called the rope cam uh, at that time. So that, again, 14 conductors, uh, as thin as, uh, as a human hair. So you can imagine if, if there was a tug of war with this cable and it broke, you lost your picture. Now imagine pulling a water skier. So there's a lot of tension in that. And then that tension would go slack once it hit the jump ramp and then form this wavelength, this bow, and then as soon as that rider landed in the water, wow, you just snap that tension again. And you can snap these cables in, I mean, ski ropes would break. So I just developed a, a way of, of parallel strengthening the cable so that you can successfully pull a water skier and get this fantastic shot of them doing their tricks at the perspective at the base of the handle. Um, at the same time, I also developed a wireless helmet cam system, pre-GoPro, no on onboard recording on that one. And it was a wireless helmet cam symbol, a signal. It would transmit a signal, standard definition at the time, uh, to the boat, which I was riding in about 75 to 100 feet away. And then I would bounce that signal back to a, to a transmitter so it would go live. I also built uh, a helmet cam system with a, record, with a record deck in a fanny pack because again, there was no uh, solid state recording at that time. So a lot of these were pre-GoPro, pre uh, all, all of these designs that, that came out. Uh, I've developed uh, a system called the Bluefish. I, I worked on a system for U2's Bono, a Bono cam system, which was a small camera built into his glasses and got a chance to wire up Bono with all this microwave. Uh, so the, the, the glasses, his perspective um, during his uh, elevation tour, I think this was in 2000, <laughs> would be Bono's perspective and transmitted on all, all the large iMag screens in the concert, and it even made the DVD cut. That's fun. Well, yeah. even though there's new, fancier stuff out now, the, the principles of innovation still apply. You know, ideas sure. are a dime a dozen. I think my favorite biz, business conference I've ever been to is the Behance, uh, that company that got bought by Adobe, the 99U conference in New York, mm -hmm. where it's mm -hmm. like, you know, inspiration is 1%. Perspiration is ninety nine percent kind of yes. kind of approach, right? So, you know, I had ideas for full suspension mountain bikes before they ever came out. I even I drew them up, right? But I mm -hmm. I didn't make my millions from it. So, there's so many ideas. So many people think, oh, I've got it all figured out. Somebody should do that, or I should do that and make the money. But not only did you actually go make them, you obviously made them on the kind of time frame that ESPN could use them. I mean, think about. Every piece of technology, every real estate project. I mean, I don't think there's ever been a real estate project finish on time, right? Mm, correct. So can you, can you talk a little bit about your approach and, you know, getting past ideas to, to actually producing stuff and obviously getting, you know, getting over all the hurdles and everything that goes wrong when anybody's ever inventing anything, but still getting it done on time so that they can use it in the X Games? Sure. Well, one, one of the best things that, that I had going for me was understanding time deadline. And it's really hard in this world. I mean, we've all may have hired a software engineer 
or a, you know, a programmer or somebody to build a website and nothing was ever done on time. Well, when it comes to the broadcast, you have to be ready at the time that airs. There are no exceptions for the delay. So it's a matter of cracking the whip. Now, finding team members that understand that is very difficult because you can get quoted to build a website and somebody's going to quote you for, I'll have that done in two months and two months comes and goes and it's still not done. It's another two months and you're pulling your hair out of frustration. A lot of people don't understand time delays and they make false promises. Well, I was, I was born with that. I mean, I guess from waking up early and having to deliver papers by a certain time so I can get to school at a certain time, it, it just becomes instinctual and, it, and it's part of just repetitive growth and understanding. And likewise, moving into the broadcast world was the same thing. There are no delays. If you're not there for that eight o'clock hour or whatever, you're not hired on the next job. So that just becomes a non-issue anymore. It's an understanding. Get it done. Get it done on time. So finding the right team members that understand that is key. Uh, and, and it's still, I'll, I'll be okay, honest so with you. Okay, so let's – preaching. Go ahead. No, but let's talk about that because mm -hmm. I, I would love to hear how you sort through the people that interview well versus the ones that are actually going to be able to perform. Well – and it's still difficult. Again, I'm preaching here, but you know, sometimes it's still when you're on a limited budget, especially our, our advertising budget when we started Val's Tech, and even still now, you know, we, 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 you count your pennies for advertising. So everybody says, for instance, that they're face, you know, that they're Facebook marketing campaign geniuses and this and that, and then you start to get into a uh, business with them, and then they're not even responding to their emails, or they send you something that's late and it's not even what you wanted. So the thing is, you're okay. You know what? You're gone. Next. And you have to let people know right away. So, for instance, if you hire somebody who's going to do some software for you or a website or something like that, and they quote you, that's great. I'll be done in a month. Wonderful. If you're done in a month, you're going to get paid what we agreed on, and I'll probably even give you an, an extra $200, let's say, bonus. But if you're not, now you're costing me my time. So I'm only going to pay you 50% up front. If you're delayed for every week that you're delayed, I'm going to start chipping away at that. If you understand, let's come up with an agreement. You need these people. To, you know, people need to be held accountable. For, we're all adults. If they quote you for something, unless you can understand there's a delay. Because, but if the delay is the fact that they're not communicating or now they had an issue, I'm sorry, I had all these other jobs and your job wasn't a priority and stuff like that, then don't quote me if my job isn't the priority or if you're not going to make it a priority. I have a lot of other jobs too, but everybody gets that equal amount of time. You know, just stick to your word. Your word is, is, your, is, is your bond in this industry and in most industries. But if people can't stick to that, as adults, we should be at that point where we do. There needs to be some sort of repercussion for that because it, it can cost you. Our sponsor for this episode of Innovation and Leadership is Skillshare. If you're not familiar with them, they're an online learning platform with over 18,000 classes on business and marketing and entrepreneurship and technology and, and lots of other classes too, illustration, th other things I'm interested in. Um, they've given us a special offer where for the listeners of our show, you can get two months for just 99 cents where you can see all these 18,000 classes, unlimited access. It's uh, Skillshare.com slash leader. And I think what I like about them most is their high quality classes that are from high credibility instructors, you know, content marketing right from Contently. Or the one I took was uh, last was email marketing right from MailChimp, where you know, these are folks who are obviously seeing millions of other people's email marketing campaigns go out. So they, they really are kind of a high credibility source of information. 
So again, it's Skillshare.com slash leader, 99 cents for com complete access to all their courses for the next two months. Uh, one last time, Skillshare.com slash L-E-A-D-E-R. Thanks. It sounds like you build that in structurally and you have that conversation up front so it's not a shock later when Correct. if they don't if they don't perform, they don't do it. Um, you know, it is interesting. I think about those folks where when they say something, I know I can count on it. It's mm -hmm. interesting how much more business I'm willing to send their way or I'm willing to sub out to them or right that Correct. That you know, when someone is deeply personal account personally accountable, it's such a benefit. It's almost like a service to the people around them. And mm -hmm. I know it's, it's a magnet for me. Um, why do you think that, why do you think that there are so many of us who um, don't feel guilty for being late or don't, don't hold ourselves to that standard? Or why do you think sometimes we do and sometimes we don't? You know, I would like to say that it, you know, this isn't like a millennial because you certainly you're going to see people say, well, millennials like this. They, there's no repercussion. They, they, they feel like they're entitled to all this stuff and that, you know, they were never punished as kids. But it's not millennials. It's Generation X. And it's even some of the older people as well. And I just don't I just don't know why, you know. I wanted to say as I was thinking about it, it's like, OK, well, maybe it's just because you hire the individual, the freelancer. If you go with a company, then you can report it to their higher ups or their supervisor saying, hey, this guy isn't working on this project the way he said he is. He's not delivering. I'm not happy. Get him off. Bring someone else on so that they can get it done on time. When you hire a company, you pay a little bit more, but sometimes you get that. It, I think there's just so there's just so many people out there willing to work, willing to work for nothing. You know, I'm just trying to put my finger on it. I don't know if it was just a matter of how they grew up, but it seems to be almost a common thread for a lot of people. Uh, Everybody wants to market themselves and get the work, but once you give it to them, some of them just disappear. Yeah, you know, you know, I used to be, I used to be the guy who was d like exactly on time, you know, and. So I would schedule things out and I would do everything to be exactly on time. But the problem is traffic would happen or things would happen. And I was apologizing for being late, you know, mm -hmm. and um, I think a turning point for me, and I, I haven't completely conquered this, but I had this mentor who ended up uh, starting the private equity fund with me. And he, he just set an example for me of, he would show up almost everywhere 15 minutes early. Mm -hmm. like a full 15 minutes. And he, his thing was yep. that he was willing to waste his time to make sure he didn't waste anyone else's time. Yep. And uh, I think just, you know, enough years of that later, I just thought about um, how magnetic of an individual he was. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's helped me like, you know, become more concerned about conquering my ADD and, mm -hmm. and, uh, having seen it in someone else. Um, ha have you, you know, as you've done so many things in your life, what's, what's one of the other traits that's really magnetic for you business-wise? Hey, man, if someone is like this, that's easy for me to want to work with them ongoingly. Sure. You know, I, I was on a film shoot uh, yesterday that we were shooting for uh, a commercial for a Broadway show. And uh, I was there and I was just so happy seeing everybody on the crew who, who had no attachment to this project. But yet we were all like 
you know, when you, when you were in high school and had high school shop class or when you and your friends were building something in the garage or in the basement, whether it was a programming or just something, when you're all excited to like contribute to something. And that was like that yesterday. I'm like, most of us don't even know each other, but we're all building something for the greater good here just to make images between the lighting guys, you know, the grips, the lighting guys, the director of photography, the clients, and just everybody was just excited yesterday. And I'm like, how, how wonderful is it just to show up every day? And just, yeah, I'm going to contribute. I have no attachment besides getting a paycheck in a week for this job. But everybody was just excited about it. Let's just make this happen. And, and it was just a beautiful flow. When everybody is like that and contributes like that, the end results are glorious. Do you know what I mean? Actually, and yeah. Go ahead. I know exactly what you mean. I, I'm thinking about another mentor of mine, a guy named Matt Ball. He was the print director for DreamWorks and uh, out in L.A. when I was lived out there. And he was just inc- like genuinely excited about life all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And here's a guy with like six kids and a mortgage in L.A. Like it's not like the guy didn't have problems, right? <laughs> Working at a sure. major studio. And I remember asking him about it once and he said, well, I just came to the conclusion that just because my day might be going bad doesn't give me the right to make your day any worse. Wonderful. And uh, that that guy is like one of the most magnetic humans I've ever met, you know? Mm-hmm. So as mm-hmm. you're saying that, I'm just hearing Matt Ball in my head, you know? And yeah. it, it's interesting how contagious that is, though. Like, besides like the financial benefits of it being magnetic and people wanting to hire your company or, or you, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a service for other people because it becomes contagious for those around you, right? Absolutely. You know, it puts me in a, not a dilemma, but I, I'm at a crossroads. I have my production company, which I love being out on projects. And, uh, and I also, the, the development and manufacturing of the, of the underwater housing is I'm like, I don't want to give up either to focus. So I'm trying to split in the middle and divide my time between both evenly because I'm excited about both of them. And if I can take on other little projects, I, I, I would as well. You know, but at the same time, you want to have a personal life. But you, you want to give that same level of attention and energy to both. If you can't do it, then it's okay to say, you know what? I gave it the best I could, and I'll put that one aside as long as you take that leftover energy and focus it back on something else. You know, we, 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 we live in a world where we, we do have ADD and we want to take on more than we can chew and stuff like that. And for most of us, we have, we're, we're constantly juggling <laughs> as many projects as once. But as long as you can fully focus on that or give it the best attention that you possibly can, if you're going to have, you start half-assing things, then, then it's never going to mature properly. And, and the project deserves <laughs> that. Yeah, mm. I, I feel like for me, it's like an honesty issue, right? Yeah. Um, there's this Greg McEwen book called essentialism where he talks about, do you know a person who's got 10 minutes to get 10 minutes away and sits down and checks their email anyways? And I'm mm-hmm. like, dang it. <laughs> that's me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, instead I want to be the guy who's 15 minutes early or he talks about, um, just basically like being honest that, you know, this, this next hour can only be spent once. And, you know, people who ride to try to ride two bicycles usually end up on the street is kind of like yes. what I think his point is, you know? Yeah. And for me, I I want to do it all. And so I try to rationalize sometimes my lack of honesty of whether I can do that many things. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's interesting how 
hard it is to let something die so that something else can be great. That's true. But, That's but true. how rewarding eventually it is, right? Well, um, I, I think some people just because you feel like you don't want to give up on something thinking you don't want to be the quitter. Mm -hmm. But I think the better perspective is to say, do you know what? I was the one who tried and at least I attempted it. You know, I got off the couch or I had this idea and whether you write it down on the piece of paper or create it, just get it out there somehow in the universe or on paper. And it's okay if it doesn't come to full fruition. At least you create it. You got it out there or even told somebody about it. Mm. You know, just get it out there so that it exists in some form or another. The energy of it just being said in, in a sentence sometimes is enough. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I came up with, with so many ideas I had that never came to fruition. I never even pursued them. But then years later, I see a technology and someone will say, I remember when you told me about that. I'm like, yeah, well, at least I got it out. <laughs> at least somebody remembered yeah. that I said that. And to me, that's it. Sometimes I build things to satisfy my own curiosity and it can keep you up at night, but get it out somehow. If you can't yeah. build it, write it down, draw it, sketch it, just get it out of your mind so that it exists in some sort of tangible form. You know, it's, Whether it's not, you know, yeah, yeah, no, it, it's interesting. Like in the tech entrepreneur community, how there's been more of an embracing of failure. Right. And, mm -hmm. and sometimes people even say that failure is good or, or they want to say that wasn't a failure. It was just a learning experience. Right. Sure. Um, sure. And I've, I don't think any one of us wants to fail any more than we need to. Mm -hmm. Um, but something I heard this year that's really stuck with me is this idea of you don't need to pretend that failure is good, but you also, you know, maybe you don't need to cry in your milk either, Jess. You know, it's, it was mm. this idea he said, uh, and I wish I could remember who said it, but he said, uh, even when we fail, we don't seem, we, we never seem to manage to fail all the way. And it's kind of this idea of it's true. we picked up, you are going to pick up something when mm -hmm. you do it. And, and it's, so it's, even if you don't get the result you want, maybe it's worth the, you know, that investment, the compound interest of those investments over time, because you won't have failed all the way mm. will have been better than, you know, Hey, I'm glad I didn't try that. I would have failed, you know? Sure. Anyway. Sure. I mean, it's, it's tricky. Listen, we have a product right now with the iPhone housing. It's a great product. And I, I, I get emails every day from customers and I, I, I'm looking on social media and I see their posting. It's wonderful. But at the same time, it's like, you know, we're still looking for venture cap. We're still looking for some funding or, or emerging that hasn't happened just yet. And, you know, so trying to convince some of the partners like, well, we're failing here. It's, no, no, we're not failing. We still have a product. It's out there. We had an idea and it exists. <laughs> and people, even if one customer and we just created a prototype and one customer is using it, we've succeeded. So yes, in, in, in the venture capital area and trying to get that funding and stuff like that, we'll get there. Yeah. And the more people know about the product and stuff like that, so it's kind of like, well, you need more venture capital to get more marketing, get the word out there. Well, right now, if we call it grassroots and consider it grassroots, it's getting there. And you know, but it, is it, it? But isn't that everything that's ever been invented? Right? Is the like you've got the duck on top of the surface who's talking to the customers or the investors and then the legs are mm -hmm. frantically going underneath. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. People are like that. They look beautiful on the outside, but underneath <laughs> it's just this panic. And, yeah. you know, sometimes it's struggle to stay afloat, you well, know? Yeah. Well, and if we haven't told everybody on this episode, like last episode, you, you really do need to go check out the housing. It's valstech.com, V-A-L-S-T-E-C-H.com. 
And, you know, this is a thing that will actually keep your iPhone dry if you want to go get those amazing underwater shots. Um, but I, I want to, you know, we, we need, we're winding down here for the end of part two. And um, it, it makes me think, you know, <clears throat> have you heard of this book called The Hard Thing About Hard Things? Um, no, but ben, I love the title. It's a, it's a former CEO turned venture capitalist, Ben Horowitz, from the venture capital firm Andreessen Horowitz. Mm-hmm. And I love it so much. I mean, it it's like partially like PTSD flashbacks of big business mm-hmm. failures to read it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. he just he's so brutally honest about how many like near death experiences these big businesses, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars type of businesses, how many near death experiences they they went through as he was CEO. Mm-hmm. And it's just like brutally honest. Um, but, uh, you know, we all want to put on we all want to put the best foot forward and that, and that's okay. That's how we, you know, nobody goes on a date and doesn't put their best foot forward if they actually like the individual they're going out with. Right. Correct. Um, but at the same time, uh, it's kind of like, you know, I'm a farm kid from Canada originally, and, uh, I compare it to driving fast on gravel, you know, like if you've ever driven a car really fast on loose gravel, like it, it doesn't exactly go straight. It kind of sure. weaves back and forth. And it's kind of the idea of like, Hey man, as long as you keep it between the ditches, you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're fine. You know, like sure. the car doesn't actually need to be pointed completely straight as long as you can keep it between the ditches, you know? And sure. And if sure. that's a risk, you need to slow down if, if there's a risk of you not keeping it between the ditches. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, so with all of that, um, kind of in closing here, what's one, either the best piece of advice you think you ever received or the advice you wish you could go back and give a younger version of yourself. I'm going to go with the second one because okay. uh, uh, the, the best piece of advice, one of the best pieces of advice I, I told you earlier uh, about uh, losing the dialect um, or the accent. Um, so the second one, going back to something earlier, um, you know, I think I would have jumped on some of the real estate opportunities that came my way. Mm. I've invested like you in a lot of camera gear. <laughs> that seems to lose its value over time. Had I put that same money in some real estate, especially in New York at the time, uh, I probably would have been a little bit more of a landlord today and and have a lot of tenants, you know, and, and at least had my money working for me. But I put my passion and, and what I wanted to do with photography uh, forward. So I kind of invested that in myself just, you know, like your college education, you'll get it back if you pursue a career in it. If not, it's an education and you pay for that experience. I paid for the experience. Yeah. Uh, but had I taken the same money and put it into real estate, I probably, you know, with a lot of my other friends that I graduated with uh, that have these, you know, luxurious homes, I'm happy in my apartment. You know, my, my, my investment is myself and my experiences. I, I know a lot of people that do have, have taken that or put it into real estate, but at least... I can actually say, you know, I've done a lot. I've done a lot because I just put it back into the experiences or into my own curiosities. Yeah. You know, and uh, and I'm happy with that. I have a daughter and I kind of teach her the same thing. Just use it wisely, make those decisions, but I would probably go back and just say, you know, maybe splitting half of that and putting some of that into uh, that real estate, or at that time, uh, as I had said, you know, in part one, just listening for the 10 seconds, there's probably a lot of mistakes that I made by not pausing and reflecting and listening 
and jumping into to answer something right away when I should have just taken the 10 seconds. Yeah. I can't get that back, but I know going forward I could I can exercise that. <laughs> so I think we have uh, some some similar advice we would give earlier selves. You know, I uh, I had made enough money to retire in my 20s and lost it all and then made enough again and lost it all twice. So mm -hmm. I made enough in my 20s and lost it all twice. <laughs> and I look back, you know, and now I've become such a devotee of uh, Warren Buffett, you know, buy an income producing asset, you know, buy, buy a future income stream instead of buying hopes and dreams and crystal ball predictions. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and at the same time, like, it's easy to like, woulda, coulda, shoulda for me. And, and then there's the, okay, what am I going to do going forward about it? And, you know, literally yesterday, my wife and I were talking about, you know, should we look at buying self-storage units? And is that something that we sure. want to, we want to be a part of? And kind of that, uh, I don't know. I saw a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger yesterday with his shirt off and the guy's obviously been hitting the gym again. And it mm -hmm. says, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger at seven years old, 70, you know, age is just a number kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, I think we worship the like Mark Zuckerberg billionaire by 30 kind of thing. And, uh, and we don't always recognize like, yeah, Colonel Sanders was in his sixties before he built one of the, yes. one of the biggest entrepreneurial chains in history. Right. Sure. Sure. So, interesting. Yep. interesting. Interesting. That's where you went with it. So yeah. we've got one well, more just, thing I, in common. I, I there. really appreciate the time you yeah. gave me for, uh, for both parts of this interview. Um, I, I look forward to, uh, to hearing it myself. We'll, we'll appreciate your time and, uh, and, and, uh, thanks for making cool stuff. Thank you. Okay. Well, that's it for the episode. One other thing I wanted to tell you about, if you'll remember the guys from Convoy, uh, in episodes back, Ken Free and Trent Mano, I went on one of their CEO trips to New York and I met a guy named Brent Thompson, very successful entrepreneur. He was former CEO of Jive Communications, big, uh, company now, I think three or $400 million. Anyways, he, uh, he started a new company called blipbillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But I, I remember a year and some ago when I met him, I thought it was genius. Instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboard um, for thousands of dollars, you can buy eight seconds at a time for like 10 or 20 cents. You pick what billboard you want it on, what time of day you want it to run. And it just puts so much power in the hands of, of marketers and CEOs who want to try something and see if it works. You can buy as many or as few as you want, change it as many times as you want. Uh, I think now our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors. We're pretty excited about it. Hope you check out blipbillboards.com. Thanks. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.